0: Hello, hello. Welcome to Avatar the Podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different but we are still your co-hosts Akram Banna and Booster Greg.
1: Yeah, you can't get rid of us that easy just because we're jumping <laughs> mediums doesn't mean that we're jumping hosts. So, there.
0: <laughs> Today is going to be not about an episode but about something different. We'll tell you some details in just a moment but first... We're going to kick it off with some five-star reviews.
1: Yes, the first one comes from Epic Monster Cookie, and they write, Amazing! I love how deep Acorn and Greg dive into each podcast. I'm so lucky to have found a podcast that highlights all of the details in the Avatar world and is still fun to listen to. My top five favorite characters are Toph, Zuko, Sokka, Iroh, and Suki, with Katara as the first runner-up. And I am definitely a Sokka Suki shipper. Oh, <laughs> yes. Another Sakasuki Suki shipper. Hello, friend. Thank you so much for the amazing five-star review. We appreciate it.
0: And I'll accept that Katara's is a runner up. That's fine. As long as she's in the list. Top somewhere. six.
1: Well, she's in the top 10. So there you go. <gasps>
0: that is true. Yep, that yep, is true. Yep. Well, there are barely, <laughs> there are barely 10 main characters. So you would, yeah. you would hope she'd wind up in the top 10. Yeah,
1: that's a fair. Yeah. Imagine if she wasn't. <laughs> Imagine like, eh, she's like number 11. Right after yeah. the coughing guard from uh, Boomi's palace.
0: <laughs> Fire Nation Soldier 5. <laughs> yeah. Our next review comes from Cass Trav, who writes, Best podcast. I watched Avatar The Last Airbender as a child, and now I'm going into college. So it's definitely a place of nostalgia for me. This is the best after the last airbender podcast I've ever listened to in three yellow hearts.
1: Oh, it's so nice. We've been getting so many of those comments lately and I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, we've talked about this before. We literally went into this podcast just wanting to make a show that we would want to listen to. And so it really means a lot to us that you all agree and you love listening to it too.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. The last one that we're going to be reading on this episode comes from Coco underscore O-24. There's got to be a reference to something and I just don't know what it is. <laughs> Anyways, they write, The Best Avatar The Last Airbender podcast. Another one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. As someone who has been a fan of the show since its creation, I have always wanted to find outlets that share the same level of excitement and love that I have with the show. One of the things I look for in a podcast is the chemistry between the hosts. These two really have a grasp on all things Avatar, and I love how they bring in comments from the viewers. I started listening to this podcast last month and finally caught up. Not looking forward to having to wait every week for a new episode, because I love just being able to listen all at once. Just to add, (laughs) top five characters, Katara, Zuko, Iroh, Toph, and Suki.
0: Yay, Katara.
1: Yeah, yeah. Katara made it in that one. Good job. (laughs) Congratulations. Uh, Thank you so much. Yeah, sorry that you have to wait week after week. Or if, you know, like hurricanes hit, maybe you have to wait an additional week. So sorry, Mm -hmm. but we hope you're enjoying all of the book three content as well as this episode, which isn't quite book three.
0: That's right. Today, we're going to be covering a comic book, Suki Alone, or as we like to call it,
1: the Warrior and the Weed.
0: So this comic is set between the events of Opus Lost Days and Boiling Rock. And since we're going into Boiling Rock next in the show, we figured this would be a great opportunity to cover the new comic, which was released this year on July 27th, 2021. It was written by Faith Aaron Hicks in collaboration with Tim Hedrick and illustrated by Peter Wartman with colors by Adele Matera. And it was published by Dark Horse, as most of the Avatar comics are. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to be doing is covering the content of the comic, having discussions and conversations throughout the story. We do have a couple fun facts but obviously, since it's not an animated show, we're not going to have any voice acting credits, but we hope you enjoy the story. And if you haven't read the comic already, this will set us up perfectly for going into the part one, part two of Boiling Rock next.
1: Yeah. And the reason also why we're covering this is because A, we're covering pretty much and by pretty much I mean everything Avatar. But we also kind of figured that maybe some people might, might not have access to the comic or maybe some people do and they kind of want to continue the conversation. So we we're like, you know what? Put this right in there. Also, because Azula did tease Tasaka <laughs> a couple episodes yes, ago. Yes, she
0: did. We're going to see that yeah. in the opening scene. Yes. Yep.
1: Yes. So I'm so excited about this. If you've never listened to any of my other podcasts or been hanging out with me over my streams, I'm a huge comic nerd. I absolutely love comic books. So... The fact that we get to dive into some graphic novels for Avatar is just like right up my alley. I think I read this in like an hour. I just like sped right. I couldn't stop. I just like one sitting done. And it's just like, I can't even say how excited I am for this kind of content. Like I'm just having trouble just verbalizing anything now. Just my (laughs) excitement is through the roof. I will say, if you have any hesitation about reading Avatar The Last Airbender content, because it's not presented in that animated format that you know and love... Please reconsider and read these comics either along with us or before or after because they did a really good job on this one. Their art will point out some inconsistencies, but the art is amazing. And I honestly, Mm -hmm. like I was hearing voices, the voices of the main characters in my head. I was hearing voice actors that I know as secondary and tertiary characters. It was just like that immersive for me. So I hope you do take the time to find this. You can probably get it at your local library. You can get them online. There's like on Amazon, you can purchase these digitally to read on a Kindle or just on your computer Mm -hmm. in general. So please, please, please don't discount this content because it's not in the format in which this series was originally presented to you. The only reason you have to do that is for M. Night Shyamalan's The Last Airbender. (laughs) That's the only one I'm allowing. Any other way... Uh, I'm just gonna go tisk tisk and just like I don't know what this movement is. Uh, like tisk tisk movement with your two fingers. It's
0: like you're trying to make a fire with your tsk, fingers. Yeah,
1: like that. Like tisk tisk tisk. No, 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 <laughs> yep. no. Not in my house.
0: <laughs> well, let's jump right in. The scene opens on a Fire Nation camp nestled in rugged, rocky terrain. Guard towers line a perimeter that houses an open field, lines of simple pitched tents, and a Fire Nation airship tethered to the ground. A group of prisoners stand in front of the airship waiting to board Suki among them. Azula stands before them, her attention on Suki. So, any last words before I send you to the boiling rock? She asks. Suki just glares at her. Giving me the silent treatment? That's no fun. Azula then makes a comment about how she could pass on a message from Suki to that boy with the boomerang. What's his name? Saki? Suka? Saka, Suki says. Azula dismisses the correction and continues to muse aloud saying she could tell him that Suki is desperate for him to come and rescue her. Words that are later repeated to a distraught Sokka on the day of the invasion. Suki tells the princess that she doesn't need anyone to rescue her, and Azula proceeds to remind her what going to Boiling Rock means. She'll be completely alone, separated from her Kyoshi warrior sisters, in an environment where survival means fighting your fellow prisoners for miserable scraps. Now you get to watch from a prison cell while the Fire Nation rolls over the Earth Kingdom, Have fun in prison while I destroy your friends, Azula says and dismisses them.
1: Inconsistency number one. Yes, (laughs) it's happened almost immediately. Azula taunts Suki with the knowledge that she that Azula knows that Suki and Sokka are dating in a relationship, have smooched, whatever you want to call it. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. Care about each other.
1: Yes. Azula doesn't know that yet at this point, because this is right during... Or I would say slightly after the events of Appa's Lost Days right here, mm-hmm. when she fights the the Kyoshi Warriors and Suki. She doesn't learn that until much later. So like, I don't know how that made it through the editorial process. I don't know if they were just like, whatever, it's fine. Or maybe Azula knows everything anyways. And playing up that like the card that I like <laughs> to play for Iroh, which is she knows everything all the time and she's one step ahead no matter what. But like, I read that and I was like... Ah. This doesn't seem right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It could be the mastermind card. It could be just setting up the story for the comic readers who may or may not know yeah. the connection there. But yes, you're right. Canonically, Azula learns about Suki's relationship in Crossroads of Destiny, which <laughs> should be long after the interaction portrayed in the here. comic here.
1: Yeah. This is something I can oversee. Like I can easily say, okay, yeah. fine, yeah. whatever. One of the later ones, which is a much bigger oversight, I cannot do but we'll get to that. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
0: The prisoners are loaded into the airship and flown across the ocean to a steaming volcanic island. As they approach, one of the prisoners grows increasingly distressed. I've heard so many stories. People go in and they don't come out, he says. When another prisoner dismisses his fears, saying he's done hard time before and can handle it, the first prisoner tells him, not like this, you haven't. They dock and are loaded into a cable car suspended on cables that make up the only route in and out of the prison.
1: I've just thought of a fun game to play. What's that? Since we don't have any voice actors, because it's a written format for these tertiary characters, let's play a game called Greg Casts the Voices.
0: (gasps) I love it.
1: So I want to say the prisoner that says, I've heard so many stories people go in and they don't come out. I'm going to say that's none other than Scott Menville's voice from Teen Titans. And also from like 5 million episodes where he just shows up randomly in Avatar The Last Airbender. So it's going to be the voice of Robin from Teen Titans for me. That's going to be it.
0: I buy it. I buy it. He seems to have that look to him. Yes. Character design wise. Yes. Yes. yes.
1: Okay. (laughs) There you go.
0: Suki looks out the window as they descend over the boiling lake towards a smaller island in its center. On that island is Boiling Rock Prison, a formidable metal structure with high walls half shrouded in the steam rolling off the bubbling water. A Fire Nation guard sees her looking. Let me guess, before you saw this place, you had dreams of escaping. Better leave those dreams behind. No one escapes the Boiling Rock.
1: Mm-hmm. And we're going to say... Who's
0: that, Greg?
1: That's none other than Crispin Freeman from Young Justice as Roy Harper. He has also been in a bunch of other things. Uh, if you've played Days Gone, he played one of the like main quest givers in there as well. Uh, he was also the voice of Rude from Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, the voice of mm. Winston from Overwatch. I didn't even know that. That's interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's he's been around uh, quite. He's been so, so many other things. The main thing that I recognize him from is as Roy Harper or the Red Arrow or Arsenal and also Gregor Markov from the Young Justice DC animated series. So that's the, the big one for there. I honestly, when I read this, I heard his voice when I heard that guard. He doesn't look like he would have that voice, but it just happened for me. So that's what I'm casting in there.
0: From the characters I recognize, in that voice actor's work history, I, I agree. I think that would be a good fit. Yeah. Oh,
1: he's also a from Naruto Shippuden. I forgot that. Huh.
0: There go. Yeah. The next scene is a flashback of when Suki was a young girl on Kyoshi Island. One day, she and her friends go into the woods to watch the Kyoshi Warriors train. They sneak up on the clearing and peer around some boulders. Suki tells the others to be quiet because this isn't any old training. It's meditating, Kyoshi style. As the girls watch, the Kiyoshi Warriors stand at attention, close their eyes, and extend their arms out in front of them with their fans held against their forearms. In one fast, crisp movement, they sweep one arm back and then forward, flicking open their fans at the same time. Their movements are in perfect unison. Focus together as one, the leader shouts. From their hiding place, Suki stares in awe and delight. Something I found interesting about the way the Kyoshi meditation practice comes into this is it adds this like additional element to the Kyoshi warriors because we know they're highly trained in defense, protection, fighting styles, obviously. So they're super capable, but we haven't really seen this like almost mystical element to them, yeah. like a, an illustration of their bond and how close they are that they're able to like, I don't know, tap into this meditative state together. Really interesting
1: yeah it it's i didn't read it so much as like mystical as I did like I don't know it's like not supernatural but is supernatural it it's like like <laughs> I can see it happening in in like real life, but I don't know like almost like a warrior's bond or something like they they enter this state and they can just kind of like be connected to each other, which is really yeah,
0: cool it kind of reminded me of like a dance troupe how sometimes when you dance alongside. A group of people you like tune into their movements and you naturally will like sync up together after yeah. a lot of practice kind of seems like that but yeah. it's also probably more of an individual experience than an actual like mystical hive mind connection or something i right. think it's really just the movements are mirrored but then each person is experiencing like a meditative moment yeah On their way back to the village, the girls talk about the special training they witnessed and Suki tells them she's going to be just like them when she grows up. We know, you only tell us every day, her friend, Mingxia says. Don't make fun, you want to be a Kyoshi warrior too, Suki says. Mingxia leads them to the front porch of one of the buildings in town and reveals that she's hidden a basket of steamed buns for them. They take the basket just inside the tree line and stuff themselves into a happy stupor. When Suki thanks her friend, she replies, anything for my sisters. Just then, the leader of their village, Oyaji, approaches them. Girls, a pan of steamed buns has gone missing from the village communal kitchen. Do you know anything about it? The girls look at each other guiltily. Suki replies, No, Oyaji, we don't have any steamed buns. (coughs) The old man considers them for a moment and says, I see. Undisappointed that you would lie to me, Suki, and in front of your sisters, all of whom want to be future Kyoshi warriors. Oyaji punishes them with cleaning duty. The girls are told to scrub the kitchen floor where the buns were stolen. As they clean, Suki looks at Mingxia and grins. Sisters forever, she says. Sisters forever, Mingxia agrees.
1: For me, and people can disagree with this if you want, but for me, when I heard Mingxia, like when I heard her in my mind, I didn't actually hear her speak because it's a book and that would be crazy, but when I was reading her lines of dialogue, I was thinking Tara Strong is what I was thinking for her. Ah, okay. Because to me, we have to kind of have that like ability to do like a younger voice and then also an older voice, you know, for the same kind of character. And I know that the Avatar The Last Airbender just recasts their leads essentially as older actors. So at least we've seen a bit of that in Korra what from what I remember. But Tara Strong, if anyone who doesn't know her work or is unfamiliar... Has uh, been voicing Bubbles from the Powerpuff Girls, Timmy Turner from the Fairly Odd Parents, Tommy Pickles from Rugrats. Uh, she's just a wonderful voice actor. She also voices Harley Quinn, and she wasn't the original voice, but I think she's like the second voice or something like that for uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the animated Batman stuff. She was definitely the voice in um, the Arkham series for Harley Quinn. So she can kind of do like a little kid voice. She can go kind of a more mature kind of voice as well. Oh, and how can I forget? She was also the voice of Raven in Teen Titans Go.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we know that her range is just incredible. Yes. That's that's why I was able to.
1: It's kind of a cop out when it's like, yeah, Tara Strong. It's also like saying like Laura Bailey. You know, like so super talented and so diverse that they can just like do whatever.
0: Yeah. Just throw a voice acting legend in there. They'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And um, also just as a reminder, we've met Oyaji before in the Warriors of Kyoshi, the episode. That's right. That's right. So Oyaji is the leader of the Kyoshi Island village that Aang and his friends visited in that episode. He later also helps Katara and Saka in their quest to clear Aang's name when he was taken prisoner in Chin village. Yeah. And just because it's so directly related to the meaning, Oyaji is an informal Japanese word meaning old man, which is used to affectionately refer to a father or longtime boss or older relative. So I think it's cute how this also reflects Oyaji's position in the village, how he's like this like kind, caring leader, old man who takes care of everybody.
1: Yes. And if you've forgotten, Oyaji was voiced by none other than James C., who, if you think that name sounds familiar, is the voice of the Cabbage Merchant.
0: Oh, yeah, that's so right. So yeah. In the present, Suki and the other prisoners are led into boiling rock, their shackles connected with chains. When Suki is thrown into her prison cell, she says sarcastically, the finest in Fire Nation hospitality. How did a girl get so lucky? After a moment, she closes her eyes and performs the Kiyoshi meditation that she once saw as a little girl. Focused together as one, she murmurs. Then she snaps into a fighting stance and glides through the movements of the meditation, all the while picturing her sisters alongside her. Her focus is shattered when she accidentally punches the wall of her cell. The spot appears to be a loose wall tile, and she investigates it to see if it can be removed, but it can't, and she slides down the wall to sit on the floor with a sigh. From her new vantage point, she notices something under the simple prison cot. A plant. Suki recognizes it as a dumpling weed, a hardy, edible weed that grows in terrible conditions. She and her friends used to gather them on Kyoshi Island, often finding them where the ground was rocky and hard. Suki plucks the pods off the weed and lies on the cot with a memory of home held to her chest. So the plot's going to revolve a lot around this dumpling weed. And I like the fact that they chose a weed specifically and really built up its whole, it can grow in the worst conditions possible. Because I can tell you, there have been so many times where I've been like, on a school campus in the middle of a basketball court and there's a weed growing right through the yeah. asphalt in the middle of like, I don't know, 20 feet of concrete. Yeah. So, you know, weeds are going to be growing everywhere. You know that weeds can make their way into a cell in the middle of a volcanic island.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting, this whole revelation of this, this dumpling weed. But you know what? Like, we've bought into Stranger in the Avatar world, so... At first, I was kind of taken aback. I was like, yeah, this seems a little convenient. But I was like, you know what? I mean, we have like all these different hybrid animals out there. We we have an origin of a character who is half evil, half good. And like, we just learned that this season. It's like any suspension of disbelief, this series has earned for me. So
0: yeah, exactly. I was, I was
1: just like, okay, like, would this really happen? Like an edible weed with this much nutrients in the real world? Probably not. But then again, we're talking a world where fire can be generated out of nothing, where (laughs) the air can be manipulated, where you can build a temple on top of like just a stockpile of highly flammable gas and an inventor just hasn't lit it up yet. (laughs) Yeah. I can suspend my disbelief, but for only so long, as we'll find out in this book.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Later in the cafeteria, Suki has her first encounter with prison food. She takes the bowl of green goop to an open table and sits down. At the next table over, another prisoner complains to a guard about the meal. Making us eat the slop is torture, she says. Surely the warden doesn't want important prisoners dropping dead on his watch. The guard dismisses her complaint, saying, If you don't like the food, don't eat. Suki takes the opportunity to introduce herself to the prisoner. But after sharing her name, the prisoner is unimpressed. Good for you, but unless you've got something edible to offer, I don't want to know you. Suki replies that actually, she might. She goes on to explain that she's a leader of the Kyoshi Warriors, a group that the prisoner doesn't recognize and mistakenly identifies as some kind of Avatar Kyoshi tribute group. And the prisoner shares that her name is Biyu, and that she's a thief. But that's not what landed her in Boiling Rock. Mm-mm. The last thing she stole was the heart of a prominent general's son. The kid's mom didn't take her precious baby falling for a known Earth Kingdom thief so well, so B.U. was dumped in prison. When Suki says she's sorry B.U. lost her boyfriend, the other girl clarified that he wasn't her boyfriend. He was just some guy. I gotta know, Greg, who is your voice choice, your voice actor choice for B.U.?
1: This one is Lar Bailey. No, I'm just kidding. This one, <laughs> I actually truly believe they would have gotten, maybe not at that point, but if they were doing it now, they would, have, they would be getting Lake Bell who I love, Lake Bell. She's a very talented actor. She does the voice of Poison Ivy in the new Harley Quinn series. She's also, you would know her as Katrina Peanut Butter in BoJack Horseman. She was also in Wet Hot American Summer as Donna. And the comedy series Children's Hospital as Dr. Cat Black. She also, if there are any Dax Shepard fans that listen, she was also in the TV series called Bless This Mess, which was starring her and Dax Shepard. I just like her so much. She's super talented. Oh my
0: God. So I I do watch a lot of Bojack Horseman and I 100% agree that she would be the best choice. Because even as I was reading the comic, I was picturing this like slightly deeper, a little bit raspy female voice. Yeah. And... That's exactly what her voice actress is. Yes,
1: yes. I love her so much. She was also in the second to most recent, as of this week, episode of What If. So she did the voice of Black Widow or Natasha Romanoff in the What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Hero episode.
0: I just watched that and she did a great job. She
1: did. She did a really good job. I would dare say she did a better job of voicing Black Widow than Scarlett Johansson did acting. <laughs> just my personal opinion. Just, just to make things a little spicy for everyone, let all the uh-huh. comments come in now.
0: <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> Small note, but here's another little inconsistency. Mm-hmm. So it is canon that Kyoshi Island is made up of multiple villages, each mm-hmm. with their own group of Kyoshi warriors and leader, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so Suki technically can't be the leader of the Kyoshi warriors, but rather the leader of her own village's group of warriors. They tend to kind of play up the whole concept of her being the Kyoshi warrior leader in this comic. So, you know, take that as you will.
1: Yeah. And like, again, that I can kind of headcanon my way around by saying, well, Azula doesn't know that there are other chapters of the Kyoshi warriors. It's like a almost like a police force, kind of, Mm -hmm. where like each town just has its own Kyoshi warriors. And there is a leader for that section of Kyoshi warriors but yeah i don't think there is like a leader for all of them at least that we've seen so far
0: yeah at least that we haven't seen i mean you could argue that avatar Kyoshi's a leader but she's been <laughs> dead her, her for like it's still around 100
1: years yeah but she's piling around with with ang and roku and probably Fang. Like
0: she's, she's over in And in showing that. up to tell people that she killed Chin the Conqueror. You yeah. know, she, she has she has other things to worry about. I know.
1: Yeah. And then dipping out as soon as she says that. I did this mm-hmm. later. Not going to accept responsibility. But anyways. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So like, I guess it's just a Fire Nation misunderstanding of her role as a Kyoshi warrior.
0: Mm-hmm. That's yeah, what once I can again, wrap my head you around. Can kinda, yeah. You can kind of talk your way around it and accept yep. and suspend your disbelief. Yep. B.U. asks about the food Suki is supposed to have and Suki drops the dumpling wheat peas into B.U.'s bowl. These plants might not look like much, but they're rich in nutrients and tasty as well. They'll help sustain you. B.U. bitterly complains that not only does the food taste terribly, it also keeps the prisoners subdued because how can you think about causing trouble when you're half starved all the time? Suki looks around the room and notices the distant zombie expressions of the other prisoners. She jumps up and tells B.U. to come with her. She has an idea. Suki and Biu wander the prison grounds, looking for more dumpling weeds. While Biyu stands watch, Suki plucks the pods from the plants. Biyu then shows her to a blind spot where the guards can't see them. They inspect what they were able to gather, which is a large handful. When Biyu suggests they divide them and enjoy a meal, Suki tells her they need to save half for seeds. If they could just plant the seeds, then maybe they could grow enough for the other prisoners. The other prisoners? Who cares about them? Biu says. Suki's face hardens into an expression of determination. I care about them. You said it yourself. The poor food makes it impossible for the prisoners to fight back against the Fire Nation. If we can get everyone better food, there's a chance for pushback against the guards. Maybe even a chance for us to escape. Biyu rolls her eyes, but relents.
1: Classic Fire Nation right here. What's that? It's not enough for them to just capture people. They have to break them down to the point where they don't even want to fight back anymore. Mm. through any means necessary, so in this particular case at boiling rock it's I'm imagining it's very hot at boiling rock. I would imagine just like gross, hot, muggy, just disgusting, humid. yeah, humid just all around like think of like the worst possible summer day and then multiply that by like four is what I'm assuming a <laughs> normal day at boiling rock is like but they also add in starvation right there, which mm-hmm. is actually considered an enhanced interrogation method. So right there, they're probably getting all the answers they need from anyone. They're also putting in people who don't need to be at this maximum security prison. So it's super corrupt as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, I mean, if you want to compare it to something, it's probably a lot like Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. How it's just this place out of sight, out of mind, where all of the most high profile, dangerous, influential people from the world are just dumped to keep them controlled. And we've seen what the Fire Nation is capable of because in the episode Imprisoned, mm-hmm. we saw the lengths that they went to to put even regular Earthbending Earth Kingdom citizens who can earthbend, you know, they made a whole facility in the middle of the ocean made entirely out of metal, yeah, just to keep them imprisoned and out of the way so they couldn't rise against the Fire Nation. So, you know, this is just another example of again the lengths that they will go yeah. to remain in control.
1: I also think it's very interesting that they have this like ability to break down their prisoners mentally to the point where they don't need to like do things like keep them locked out of daylight for long periods of time. They Mm -hmm. have that for sure. We know that from the Boiling Rock episode, which you'll all get to hear next week. But like I'm thinking more in the Earth Kingdom and the specifically the city of Ba Sing Se when Long Feng was imprisoned, he was in this dark, damp cellar. Where he couldn't see light, it was you know he was probably fed very little, and it was just like your traditional prison. Where so far, what we've seen from the Fire Nation is they're mostly outdoor prisons. Mm-hmm. Like they have cells and stuff, but they also have like courtyard time. So I, I would imagine the Fire Nation mentality there is, yeah, go ahead and see this guy. Who you know you're not getting out of here. Who cares? <laughs> not it's going just a Go look at the places. Think about where you could go. You're not going there ever. It kind of adds to like the severity of the punishment for me.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Great point. The next scene is a flashback sometime after the stolen bun incident. Both Suki and Mingxia have been initiated into the Kyoshi Warriors and their training is underway. Suki comments that she wishes their training would help with the battle they're facing now. The island's food reserves are almost gone. The harvests that year all failed and there may not be enough food for the winter people are going to starve. We'll find a way to make ends meet. We always do, Suki says. Mingxia suggests they open the island's borders and buy supplies from other nations. But Suki tells her that Avatar Kyoshi wouldn't want them to do that. She removed their people from the mainland for a reason. Mingxia argues that Avatar Kyoshi could never have predicted they'd be facing famine and starvation and urges Suki to ask the island leaders to reach out for help. Remaining isolated means their people will suffer. Before Suki can reply, she spots a familiar weed growing out of the ground up ahead. Dumpling weed. She runs to it and has an idea. Dumpling weeds are nutritious and they grow all over the island. Suki races off to tell the others about her plan to keep the village from starving. Okay.
1: And here, here we go. <laughs> yes. Yes. Here is my all-time this like almost almost ruins the entire comic for me. Huge oversight. You cannot headcanon your way out of. Period in my opinion. Exclamation mm-hmm. mark. Exclamation mark. The number 1 and then an exclamation mark.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, so there's a couple problems here. Yeah. Um first of all, they're on an island. Crops would be their secondary source of food since they're literally surrounded by the ocean. Fishing itself would sustain them, not to mention all the other things you can harvest from the ocean, like seaweed, clams, mussels, et cetera, et cetera. Even maybe an anagi, you know, there's food out there. It's actually super unrealistic for an island to be facing famine and starvation. The other thing is the Mm -hmm. isolation the comic Suki alone depicts isolationism being a policy that applied to all of Kyoshi Island. This is directly contradicted by the show because yep. we see active trade in the show. That's even how Zuko learned Aang was on Kyoshi Island in the first place because we saw that little montage of a fisherman selling fish to someone on Kiyoshi Island. And then that person goes and sells the fish to another person yep. all the way until we reach the fire nation And Zuko hears word that the Avatar has been spotted on Kiyoshi Island. Yes. So.
1: It's like, I can kind of see where the writers or the author's head was at. But Kiyoshi Island is not the island of Themyscira. They interact mm -hmm. with the rest of the world just fine. They choose to live on this island, but that doesn't mean that they're stuck there. Period. Now, if you're talking about like the Kiyoshi Warriors... Maybe I'll give you some slack there. But the way this whole dilemma was depicted was that no one on Kyoshi Island talks to anyone outside of Kyoshi Island, period. And that's just not the case.
0: Yeah, it's almost like the writer. And again, we're talking about this in more of a critique way. We still enjoy the comic. Yes. You know, no bad blood.
1: I said almost ruin the comic. It didn't actually. (laughs) There you go. Almost. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's almost like the writer watched the episode with Chin Village and learned about how Kyoshi separated them from the mainland and was like, okay, we're going to be our own people now. We are protected. I'm going to create the Kyoshi Warriors to protect our borders, et cetera, and just like ran with that. But even from the very beginning of the show's creation in the Lost Lore, it was written that Kyoshi Island was predominantly a fishing port and a favorite stopping point for traders and travelers. Because it holds no significant military advantage and is home to only a few earthbenders, the island was untouched by the Fire Nation for a hundred years. And even in that lost lore, it does also say Kyoshi Island citizens lived scattered among several villages across the island. And the fact that every village has a leader and a band of female Kyoshi warriors whom protect their citizens. So if we were to attempt to headcanon our way around this, we could say... Well, maybe no edible fish are in the area. Maybe they're in the deep ocean and you have to take a boat all the way out there to catch them. And the Yonagi is going to potentially attack you if you do that. So they can't find food that way. And maybe the isolationism applies to just the one village. Maybe all of Kiyoshi Island is not living with that mentality, but it's just Suki's village. I mean, They're kind of flimsy arguments because they go against a lot of just natural logic, but that's the best I can do.
1: I can't even I won't even give it that because Aang and Team Avatar stayed at that specific village on Kyoshi Island, which means that that fisherman still had to do some sort of commerce with an outside source. Now, like if you Mm -hmm. want a headcanon your way out of that, maybe it's like the black market. You got that good Kyoshi Island fish. That no one can get except through illegal methods. But it's just at that point, I'm spending more time trying to wrap (laughs) my head around this like uh, inconsistent story point when the truth of the matter is this episode debuted a very long time ago. And some of the finer details, while they are fresh for us, might not be as easy to remember for even the creative team like Tim Hedrick, who is one of the many talented writers on the show, appears regularly. Did some sort of supervision on the story for this or at least co-wrote it. So maybe just forgot. Maybe it wasn't yeah. like important enough, which is, I feel like kind of sacrilegious to say based on our, our entire podcast. But maybe for <laughs> that particular team, it just wasn't important enough to remember. They also wanted to have this whole side story of Mingsha doing her thing. Which I still don't agree with, but I yeah. mean it's it's one of the huge sticking points for me. And it's gonna forever just be this tiny little mark on just wonderful storytelling throughout the Avatar of the Last Airbender universe.
0: Yep. I basically agree. So, yeah. you know, all that being said, if you can suspend your disbelief, then great. Yep. Awesome. They have a food shortage and they need to figure out how to fix it without asking for help. If you can't suspend that disbelief, then you're gonna be You're right amongst there with us. friends. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So anyway, the villagers were able to collect enough dumpling weed to sustain them. But when Suki tells her friend that, see, they did find a way to survive, Mingxia says she still thinks Kyushu Island should open its borders. She doesn't think it's right for them to hide away in isolation. She tells Suki she's going to talk to the village leaders about it the next day and hopes Suki will support her. But Suki tells her she can't. The next day, Mingxia appears before the leaders and pleads her case. But Oyaji disagrees with her views. Rather than stay on the island and turn her back on the world, Mingsha decides to leave. She and Suki share a teary goodbye.
1: For no reason. Everyone can leave if they... Sorry. (laughs)
0: You're you're basically looking at the whole point of it. Isolation needs to exist so that Mingsha has a reason to leave. The end.
1: Yeah. Yeah. that's They literally made that for that point. But it's just like... I feel like there are other ways that she could have left. She could have just like decided she didn't want to be a Kyoshi warrior anymore. And I think that would have been Mm -hmm. a lot more impactful to Suki into the village. Cause I feel like not a lot of people, and this is just my headcanon. I have literally no justification to say this, but I feel like it's such a big honor to become a Kyoshi warrior that once you are one, you don't really give it up until you have to, because you can't perform the tasks anymore. And, Even then, I feel like they're nice enough to be like, you're an honorary one now or a former one or, you know, and that's a whole other tier, I would feel like. But yeah, it's just like, why create this whole isolationist tale to make drama to give a reason when it doesn't exist? Just like the team that works on Avatar The Last Airbender is talented enough to come up with something other than this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think giving up the honor of being a Kyoshi warrior is easier for me to follow then trying to figure out why Kiyoshi Island is isolated from the rest of the world. Yeah. After seeing the show. Yeah. Back in the prison, Suki and Biyu sneak into the laundry where a fellow prisoner tells them the coast should be clear for the rest of the afternoon. We learn that they've been working together for the past two weeks, and the prisoner has figured out the guard rotations that allow them to meet in secret. He leads them to the hand-dug tunnel behind a wall panel and tells the girls that he and a few others widen the tunnel to make it easier to crawl through. Suki thanks him before crawling through with Biyu. They emerge into an open patch of volcanic soil with a small garden of dumpling weeds. Biyu excitedly comments about how fast the plants are growing, and Suki agrees that being such a hardy plant, they can thrive in difficult conditions, just like them thriving in this awful prison. You know, small note, mm-hmm. volcanic ash is actually incredibly nutritious yeah. for plants. Yeah. So, the dumpling weed wouldn't really need much. That's to a good grow, point. it's it's actually probably super powered by the volcanic ground, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> just heard of me, <laughs> anyway. Well,
1: we liked this comic, by the way, everyone. Just so everyone is aware. We honestly,
0: honestly did, but we're doing the thing that we do in the yes. podcast, talking yeah. about and picking apart and discussing the different things that we notice. Yes. Just then, the other prisoner pops his head through the tunnel and warns them that the warden is coming for a surprise inspection. The girls crawl back through the tunnel but have no time to escape. The boy tells them to hide in a large cart of clean uniforms. They manage to burrow themselves out of sight just as the warden walks in. Surprise inspection, he announces. I want to make sure everything's running to my satisfaction. I hope you take pride in your work cleaning the uniforms of your betters. Outside these walls, you are rebels and miscreants, not fit for Fire Nation society. But here, you have the chance to make yourself useful. This place is your home now. No one outside this prison cares enough to rescue you. and escape is impossible. So take pride in your work at Boiling Rock Prison. It's the last thing you'll ever do. From her hiding place, Suki angrily glares at the warden. The warden leaves and the girls climb out of the laundry cart.
1: I really enjoy the dynamic between the prisoners and the warden. It feels very Team Avatar versus Longfang. And I really like it.
0: Yeah, it does actually. And I also think his character is super consistent with who we see in the Boiling Rock episodes.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's just like something that you didn't realize you really wanted in an Avatar story, which kind of feels kind of weird to say, where you want this like, I don't want to call it mischief, but like it's kind of like low-key trying to survive, but also kind of breaking the rules a little bit, like, you know, really. Mm -hmm. and, And in doing so... Helping the greater good, helping your Mm -hmm. friends, your colleagues, people who are stuck in this situation with you, which is kind of like a little breath of fresh air right here where we have nothing but like torment and wrongfully imprisoned and just like all around abuse going on. Here we see Suki making a friend, figuring out how to better everyone and then getting help from other prisoners when they have no real reason to help her. They actually have every reason to not help her.
0: Yeah, because if they're caught, they're going to be severely punished.
1: Yes. They're going to wish they had that rotten slop to eat if they get caught. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, you're right. A lot of that, it feels like an Avatar episode. It feels like an Avatar theme. Yeah. All those positive themes of working together and building community and helping each other because you're in the same situation. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Suki thanks the boy for taking the risk to hide them. He replies that it's the least he can do. The plants they've been growing have been feeding them. They take a moment to snack on some dumpling weeds with the other prisoners stationed in the laundry room and talk about how much stronger they feel after just two weeks of eating the dumpling weed. If we're ever going to get out of this place, we might have to fight, Suki tells them. Do you feel strong enough to do that? The other prisoners agree that yes, they feel that someday they could fight. Suki smiles. Good, I'm sure it will be soon. On their way back to the main building, BU tells Suki she's impressed by how the other prisoners listen to her. She thought they were done for when the warden walked in, but the group actually risked their necks to hide them. Suki tells her that working together can be beneficial for all of them. The other prisoners know now that when they escape, they'll do it together. Biyu admits that she's never really been much for other people. She usually just looks out for herself, but she's starting to see the advantage of having friends around. It isn't about advantages, it's about community, Suki says. If we stand together, all of us have a better chance of making it out of this place. It isn't about using other people to make sure we survive. You understand that, right? B.U. smiles. Sure, Suki. I get it. Community for all of us. In the past, the day after the Fire Nation attacked Suki's village, Suki shares with a friend that she's been thinking, the world is in the middle of a war and people are suffering. Meanwhile, Kyoshi Island has refused to help those in need. Her friend says, We aren't refusing to help people. We're following Kyoshi's mandate to remain separate from the rest of the world. Suki frowns and replies, and I don't think we should anymore. Not while the Fire Nation is out there destroying other homes and villages. She goes on to explain that she believes Mingxia was right about rejecting Kyoshi Island's isolationism. She didn't understand it then, but she does now. The Avatar himself could have hidden away, but he didn't. He went back out there to help people. Helping people should be their job too. We're Kyoshi warriors. We spent our whole life training for this, Suki exclaims. But her friend isn't convinced. She says, we trained so we can protect the island. You saw what happened when the Fire Nation came. We're needed here. Suki falls silent and thinks for a moment. Finally, she tells the group that has gathered that she will leave Kyoshi Island. She wants to follow in the Avatar's footsteps and that she believes Avatar Kyoshi would understand. Anyone who wants to come can join her. Three volunteer and as they sail away from Kyoshi Island, they agree that just like everything else, they'll do this together. Sisters forever
1: little tiny thing. And I think I'm going to answer my own question or my own criticism when I say this. Mm-hmm. This scene has to have been after Aang showed up. But yep. ming never appears in the animated series.
0: That we see. Yeah. She could have been in the background. I kind of doubt it. I think her design was probably created for the comics. For the comic
1: specifically. Yeah, Yeah. Which is kind of like makes me question how good a friend they actually are if there's this if the fire nation <laughs> invaded and they're not next to each other fighting as Kyoshi warriors but you know i'd be willing to let that go when i first read this page i was like wait how do they know ang is back because he's been frozen for 100 years like oh it must, it must have been afterwards but then where were you okay fine that's the most <laughs> minute of my like criticisms for this particular book it sat a little weird with me. And I also Mm. think that kind of speaks to the, the overall quality of writing that we're used to for this universe, that we're so used to these, for the most part, these loose ends being tied, everything being connected, everything being one larger vision that we have to keep in mind that it is difficult to add on to something like that if you're not in direct contact with break or if you know you don't get maybe the notes you need or anything like that it's it's a difficult challenge so again again even though i just threw some shade no real shade directed (laughs) at faith erin hicks because i know she did two more books in the avatar series so and I can't wait to read those. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, yeah, I just wanted to say too. that
1: that felt weird where it's like, well, the Avatar didn't hide. But like he did for 100 years, kind of by accident.
0: Yeah. Little do they know he actually did run and hide. That's yeah. like part of his his character development is getting over the shame of that. It's exactly
1: what he did. <laughs> but OK, sure.
0: Yeah. I think um, and if, if we remember back to... When Team Avatar came back to Kyoshi Island, Oyaji basically told them this happened, that Suki was so inspired that she wanted to leave and help the world like Aang and friends are doing. So I think this is the attempt to create that backstory to provide context and reason and motive for her to do that. It is obviously still based on the isolationism concept, which is the only thing that kind of ruins it for me, because I do think that Aang coming to their village and... The Fire Nation attacking is a great way to illustrate the importance of fighting back and working together as, as like a world community when you have a threat like the Fire Nation.
1: Yeah. I would also accept that the residents of Kiyoshi Island don't leave the island. I would accept that just fine yeah, on its own. But I don't accept that they don't trade with external sources. I, that, right. That's just inherently not true. So I I feel like maybe one or two of these themes were presented and then it just more just kept on getting tacked on to the point where it's like now it's just not true.
0: I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. In the present at Boiling Rock, the dumpling wheat crop has been successfully incorporated into prisoner life. The peas are passed out at mealtime and the prisoners slip them into their bowls when the guards aren't looking. But eventually the guards catch on that something is different. Finally, one day they catch a prisoner slipping the peas into their food. Hey, what's this? You got contraband, prisoner? The startled prisoner tries to hide the food, but the guard grabs his wrist and demands to see the bowl. No, you can't keep treating us like this, the prisoner shouts. And someone else at the table yells that they should be given better food. Very quickly, a riot breaks out. The guards tell the prisoners to stand down, but they're not compliant zombies anymore. The dumpling weed has nourished and strengthened them. Suki jumps into the fight and tells Biyu to follow her, but doesn't notice when Biyu goes in the other direction. Suki slides across a table and knocks out a guard, then kicks the legs out from under another who is about to strike a prisoner. She continues to fight until suddenly blasts of fire sail over their heads. The firebending guards warn that the blasts were a warning shot. The next ones won't be. The prisoners are rounded up and handcuffed and are told they will spend time in solitary as punishment for disobedience. As Suki is led away, she sees Biyu being escorted in the other direction. When Suki is thrown into her tiny square cell in solitary, she braces against the narrow walls and centers herself. Focus, breathe. We can escape soon. Well, obviously Suki's plan is working. Yeah. The dumpling weed nourished everyone to the point where they're not so compliant anymore. But I guess the problem here is that they never banded together. They didn't have a plan. So now it's just them acting out and being punished for it.
1: Yeah. I do really like how... Suki is always returning to this meditation as a way to like center herself and and kind mm-hmm. of like, I don't know, make sure she stays composed and, and just like doesn't get crushed by boiling rock.
0: Yeah. It shows her strength of will. And yeah. that's again, very consistent with her character. She is always positive, always hardworking, never discouraged, regardless of what she comes up against.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a really cool aspect of Suki that we haven't really seen too much of in the main series. So sure, while this comic has its faults, while the story has its faults, it also kind of gives us more development for such a wonderful character, which I really like.
0: I agree. Yeah. Sometime later, guards come to collect her. She's brought to the warden's office where he's sitting behind his desk. A large portrait of the Fire Lord hangs on the wall behind him. The warden greets her and gestures to a collection of dumpling wheat peas on a piece of parchment before him. What do these look like to you? He asks her. Staring him down, Suki replies, nothing. Nothing, hmm? To me, they look like a great deal of something. To me, these tiny legumes look like they're the reason why my prisoners have been so willful lately. A delicate balance is needed to maintain a prison as complicated as the boiling rock, and it seems you are doing all you can to upset that balance. Suki denies knowing anything, claiming she doesn't know what the warden is talking about. And then he drops it. They found her garden. The warden asks what she expected to happen by growing vegetables. Did she really expect the prisoners would miraculously rise up and overthrow their captors? Suki tells him that it was a chance to build community, to support each other as human beings, and yes, also maybe give them a chance to escape someday. The warden smirks and asks, did you know you were betrayed? Suki is taken aback by this and thinks the warden is lying. But the warden tells her that not only was the garden given up, but also the secret tunnel and all of the tools they were using. It's a common mistake, the warden says. Coming to Boiling Rock Prison and thinking you've made friends here, friends would make surviving a lot easier. But you have no friends here. You're completely alone. As Suki is led away, the heartbreaking news delivered, the warden tells her, at Boiling Rock Prison, it's every fool for themselves. Again, I love the warden. He's such yeah. a good, despicable character.
1: Yeah, yeah. He Just seeing more warden, I'm really a fan of. I really enjoy most of the villains in the Avatar universe. They're Mm -hmm. very despicable. They're always true to their nature. And they don't really, with the exception of like Zuko, they don't really change. And that leads to their demise, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. It's, it's, It's very like, almost like Aesop fables. Like they got like a really good moral to that. It's like, if you are inherently bad, and granted it's a very gray area thing to say, but like if you're a villain in this universe and you don't change or attempt to change in any way, you're going to get your comeuppance. It's just going to happen, which is... Mm-hmm.
0: I like it. I like it. Me too. On the way back to Solitary, Suki spots Biu on a second floor walkway of the guard tower. Biu is dressed in Fire Nation clothing and chatting with two other guards. Suki stares, realizing that the warden was right. Someone did betray them, and it was Biu. <gasps> Gasp! <laughs> Gasp! Not Biu! <laughs> when Suki is deposited back into her cell, she braces herself against the narrow walls once more, telling herself... I'm not alone. I'm not. But after a moment, she opens her eyes and slides to the ground, wrapping her arms around her legs. I'm not alone. She says again, quietly. I do love the realistic depiction of being worn down. You know, we just went through this whole conversation about how the fire, that's the fire nation's MO. They want to not only imprison, but also break their prisoners. And so this constant reminder of Suki not having the support system that she's used to and not able to create a community like she's trying to. And then showing her in her cell in that reminder to herself being just a little different, a little weaker each time. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. It shows that whether this was purposeful or not, I think it shows that the warden knows how to break Suki and kind of does so by letting her start to build a community And then just ripping it away from her and having the most trusted member of that so called community be the one that betrayed her. It's just devastating. Absolutely like, wow, like well played, warden, well played.
0: In another flashback, we see Suki during her time as a security officer in Full Moon Bay. Dressed in an Earth Kingdom uniform, Suki is guiding refugees through the transport hub when she hears her name. She turns to see her friend, Mingxia, rushing toward her. Suki smiles in delight. Mingsha, it's so great to see you. The old friends hold hands and catch up with each other. Mingsha is shocked to see Suki off Kyoshi Island, but Suki tells her that she's not alone. Other Kyoshi warriors came with her and they're all doing their best to help others. Suki apologizes for not supporting her friend when she wanted to open the island's borders, but Mingsha isn't bothered at all. We're both here now, aren't we? Come on, there are some people I want you to meet. Mingxia pulls Suki over to a group of refugees and introduces them as her friends, Dandan, Fenfang, and Peng. She holds the hand of the final person and tells Suki, And this is my girlfriend, Mei Lin. Mei Lin, this is my Kyoshi warrior sister, Suki. Mei Lin smiles at Suki and tells her that she's heard so much about her. It's nice to finally put a face to the stories. Suki asks them how traveling through the Earth Kingdom has been, and they say the war has made everything difficult which is why they're looking forward to the safety of Ba Sing Se's walls. Nah. <laughs> yep. Little do they know. I know. The group soon says goodbye, needing to catch their ferry. and Suki and Mingsha embrace. I never thought I'd see you again, Suki says. I always knew we'd find each other somehow, Misha replies. We're sisters, aren't we? Sisters, Suki agrees.
1: And we'll never see her again. <laughs>
0: That's another thing I appreciate about this comic is it's showing us recap style of all of the places that Suki has been. So growing up in Kyoshi Island after the Fire Nation and the Avatar have been on Kyoshi Island, then her helping out in the Earth Kingdom before she meets and escorts her friends across the Serpent's Pass, et cetera, et cetera. It's just really cool to see the story almost a second time, but through a different pair of eyes.
1: Yeah, I so just want to drop this point, but I can't. There's also no real point to Mingsha if you think about it on a grander scale. Like, Suki doesn't need... If you think about it in like, not as a chronological, this is actually what happened, but in a, oh, this is something that they wrote after, well after the series ended, which is what happened. Suki doesn't need a reason to leave the island because the reason was Aang and Team Avatar. They inspired her. Mm -hmm. But here they're saying Mingsha is also just like a domino on that tower, so to speak. A, a loose Jenga piece that also helped out, right? Like the load-bearing column that was also <laughs> there. So I don't know. The uh-huh. hair that broke the camel's back, you you name it. But it just seemed like the crack in the foundation was there for Mingsha and then Aang and Team Avatar broke it. But you don't need that necessarily. So I don't know. I, mean, I still like... Mingsha is a great character. I also think that they were trying to... They were trying to undo what I heard a criticism of Korra was, which was that Korra's sexuality, which they never, at least as far as I know, never outwardly addressed, which was very disappointing to the LGBTQIA community. Mm-hmm. So I think here was just like, oh no, we're addressing, like, this is like, these not just straight people exist in the Avatar universe, yeah. is what it's they're official. trying to do here. Yeah. Look here, it's in, yeah. The, it's in this canonical graphic novel. Which I appreciate that, but like I just don't see the point of Mingsha from a story perspective.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. It it can be argued that she was the start of the transformation of Suki, that Aang's visit solidified or broke or whatever you want to call it. Um, But beyond that, yeah, there really isn't much of a role there. I would say also that I think Mingsha represents the sisterhood of the Kyoshi Warriors, and embodies all of that. So we don't yeah. necessarily get inundated with all these other characters from uh, Suki's village. But yeah. that's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. Not to say it's a bad story, but no. I guess, again, we're comparing it to the show. And there's a certain level of depth that the yeah. show achieves, even in its short 20 minutes. Yes. That I think is a little different here in the comic.
1: Yeah. And, and again, all those details, that is no secret that we appreciate and we think really make the Avatar universe the Avatar universe, where mm. I think this comic is really kind of like concentrating on the larger story and ignoring the smaller details.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just different priorities, different yeah. focus. Yeah. 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 Back in the present, Suki is released from solitary after two weeks. She returns to the prison yard with a steely expression on her face. Where's Biyu? She asks her friend from the laundry. She's not in the general population anymore. He replies. Another prisoner adds, she got herself a fancy room and full privileges, including not having to eat prison slop anymore. This confirms Suki's suspicions, and she goes to find Biu. It doesn't take long for Suki to see her walking along the guard walk. She runs to the first floor stairs and leaps onto the metal guardrail, then up to the second floor where she grips the metal platform. She pulls herself up and swings over the metal railing, slipping into the guard tower right behind Biu. The Kyoshi warrior flips the other girl onto her back and stands above her in a low fighting stance. When B.U. sees who it is, she smirks. Oh, wow, you don't look so good. Solitary's hard on a person, huh? Don't pretend you'd care about me, you traitor. You gave up the garden to the warden. B.U. doesn't even try to deny it. Well, yeah, a girl has to survive, you know. When Suki asks what about their plan to build up their strength so they could fight back, B.U. tells her that was her plan, not theirs. I went along with what you wanted because at first you seemed smart and you had food. But after that fight in the cafeteria, I don't need to deal with that heat. Suki is furious upon hearing this. Don't you have any loyalty to the people you're living alongside in this awful place? People who risked themselves to help grow that garden? She's backed up enough that BU stands and brushes off her clothes. That's the difference between you and me, Suki. You need to be part of a community. I don't. No offense, but if I'm going to choose between you and the warden, I'm going with him. It's his prison after all.
1: BU, more like P-U, because you stink. (laughs) I don't like you
0: stink like a traitor
1: stink like a rat. I don't like it. I knew there was something (laughs) about you. I didn't like, and it's, you're a traitor.
0: Yep. And that, uh, that one moment in the cafeteria where BU walks in the other direction when Suki's like, come on, let's get him.
1: Yeah. She's like, no
0: explains a lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yep. How could you Suki growls? BU strides away from her and says over her shoulder, come on Suki. Did you really think we were friends? That I was one of your Kyoshi warrior sisters? Please. This pushes Suki over the edge and she lurches forward, grabs Biu by the collar and throws her up against the guardrail. Biu looks down at the floor far below and says, no, please don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Suki lifts her off her feet, seems to consider for a moment and then throws her to the ground of the guardwalk. As she stalks away, Biu calls after her. So it's like that, huh? Just wanted to scare me? Coward. BU is just basically a piece of work. I appreciate her character.
1: (laughs) BU is a B something. I'll tell you that much. Uh I can't say on a family friendly adjacent podcast, but wow. (laughs) Wow. Just what what a bad person in general.
0: And selfish. Yeah. I think it was really smart to pick a character like her who is selfish, self-serving, out for their own well-being yeah. and matching that kind of person with Suki who is just so giving and altruistic and for the people and wants to help everyone. Um, because it really comes to a head in moments like this where they're both acting on their own desires and their own beliefs, but those beliefs are in direct opposition with each other.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It also kind of makes me question what actually landed BU in prison.
0: Yeah. Do you think she was lying?
1: I think so. Or she just views the events in a different light than what actually happened.
0: Mm-hmm. I could totally see that.
1: Because I feel like while the Fire Nation at this point in history is very corrupt, I feel like a rich person being like, this woman used her womanly wiles on my son. It just doesn't add up to go here.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So I don't know. This is just my own headcanon. But I'd like to think that she did something much worse to land herself here and just either refuses to accept it or doesn't view her crime as being as serious as it actually is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah. Back in her cell, Suki performs the Kyoshi Warrior Meditation, picturing herself in her warrior's clothing with fan in hand. I am not alone, focused together. She swiftly flows through the poses with her eyes closed, imagining herself practicing with her sisters, remembering the love she felt in Mingxia's embrace, the companionship felt on board when they left Kyoshi Island. But then suddenly, Suki falters. She stumbles and becomes aware of her empty cell once more. She drops to her knees and draws into herself, wrapping her arms around her legs as she realizes how alone, how isolated, and how so very far away she is from everyone she loves. A blue light draws Suki's attention, and she looks up with tears streaming down her face to see the spirit of Avatar Kyoshi standing before her. The young Kiyoshi warrior gets to her feet and stares in disbelief. Suki, Avatar Kiyoshi says, Your friends love you. They have not abandoned you. You are not alone. How do you know? Suki asks. Avatar Kiyoshi smiles kindly, then fades away. Suki is left alone in her cell once more, but this time she doesn't feel alone. She dries her tears and sits on the ground of her cell, leaning against the wall to think about what she just witnessed and to begin patiently waiting for whatever will come next. Unbeknownst to her At that very moment A lone Fire Nation air balloon Flies over the ridge Of Boiling Rock Island It glides through the steam On its way to the prison With Sokka and Zuko on board The end
1: (gasps) Directly ties back Into the series
0: It's like we covered it For a reason Yeah
1: Yeah. Um, (laughs) Kiyoshi showing up Suki. Mm-hmm. That seems very, like, powerful to me because we haven't really seen, A, past lives of the Avatar showing up to not the Avatar. Right. And B, we also haven't seen spirits that are not horribly mangled monsters be visible to people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think for that very reason, you're right. I think it is very powerful that Kyoshi appeared to her. Because yeah. even, even when Kiyoshi appeared to the people of Chin Village, it was because of Aang. Yep. It was because Aang was there and he was on trial. And he actually took on the appearance of Avatar Kiyoshi because her spirit came through him. Right. So, yeah, the fact that Kiyoshi appeared to Suki, a normal person in a prison, is kind of huge. Yeah. Unless you argue that Suki was imagining Yes,
1: that's the other part too. So there's two different possibilities here and neither of them are true or false or neither of them are more true than the other. Number Mm -hmm. one is that Suki somehow tapped into the spirit world much like Iroh did. He's one of the few people who have actually done this alongside Mm -hmm. Guru Patik and I'm sure there's many other people as well, right? And can just see the spirit form in conjunction with the fact that Kiyoshi is a past avatar. So. I would imagine she also has a bit of like mystical spirit mumbo jumbo that other spirits <laughs> necessarily don't have, right? Like I would imagine she has a bit more power than Bai, for example, in terms yeah. of being able to be perceived by people. So there's that.
0: Also, yeah, evidence to support that is the fact that Suki is from Kyoshi Island. Yeah. She is a Kyoshi warrior yep. fighting under the name of Avatar Kyoshi, and she's been spending so much time in the prison meditating Kyoshi style.
1: That's true. That's very true. Or you can go down a darker path, which is that Suki at this point is so broken that the only way her mind can like try to pull these pieces together is by showing her her island's namesake, the avatar Mm -hmm. that like she most easily recognizes, her hero, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Her hero, her leader. Yeah. The namesake of so much of her identity. Yep. Being a Kyoshi warrior being a leader, a resident on yeah. Kyoshi Island, being a leader. Yeah. Yeah. So this could be like her subconscious or her brain trying to pull her up by her bootstraps. Yeah. Trying to yeah. get back, get her back on her feet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: When I, when I first read that part or saw that splash page of Kyoshi showing up, I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, maybe like this happens to be a part where Ang and the team are flying over because in boiling rock, which we'll learn next week, Zuko reveals in the first five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever that they've actually flown over Boiling Rock to get to the Western Air Temple. So it's like, oh, maybe like it's a distance thing, but then we see in like, the next page that that lone war balloon showing up. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's, that's them. Okay, that's Zuko and Sokka. So Aang is nowhere near there necessarily. Yeah. At least a half day's trip away. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yep. So there you have it. Two potential explanations you yep. get to choose which one you subscribe to. Yeah. But that is our comic. Um, shall we go through the MVP?
1: Yes. It's clearly Bu. you.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> no, it's Suki. It's clearly of Suki. Of course it's Suki. It's Suki. Suki, Suki has
0: to be the MVP of a comic called Suki alone.
1: Yeah. A comic which only exists to show us what happened between the events of Appa's Lost Day and Boiling Rock, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, give us some more details on the character of Suki and and give us more Suki time. Who doesn't want more Suki time? Ultimately, I know exactly. I want more. So yeah, my MVP is Suki.
0: What about the moral of the comic?
1: Oh, the moral of the comic is heavy handed for me, especially in this current climate that we're living in, in terms of um like sticking together And I don't know, just like working as a team and as a community, I I think is that you're never really alone. And if you work together, you can achieve the optimal results.
0: I definitely agree with you there. Community is a huge theme in this comic. And I think that is the moral of the comic, how you're better off with others. Yeah, Working alone is never going to take you as far as working with a community, relying on people, looking out for each other. Um, I think a lot of Boiling Rock parallels life because we oftentimes go through life relying on our own efforts and being prepared to fight for our position, fight for our things, our belongings, our food, whatever, like the prisoners fought with each other in Boiling Rock. But really... So much more can be accomplished. So much more can be done. So much positive change yeah. can begin if you just rely on each other. And oftentimes there is good in people, you know, be you it's hidden down there. It's going to take a little bit longer to get her to turn around, but yeah, the prisoners in the laundry room, the prisoners all around. Oftentimes people want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And so I think that is the moral of this comic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Be you more like see you never. Because we'll never <laughs> see, see her never ever again. Never again. Because we'll never see her ever again. I think this is the only time, at least so far, that she's shown up in any form of avatar content. So yep, if you didn't like her. Good news. There's no more of her for now.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this episode, though. More comics to come. We just thought that covering Suki alone now made sense chronologically going into the next episodes of book three. Mm -hmm. Most of which take place chronologically after the events of book three, with some exceptions. More to come. Yeah. Um, But next, we're going to be going into part one of Boiling Rock and see exactly what happens once Zuko and Sokka get to Boiling Rock.
1: Yeah. And remember, if you're caught up on all the episodes want to hang out with me for a little bit, uh, you can always do so at twitch.tv slash on Monday and Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And again, that's assuming that you've listened to all the episodes or most of them or whatever. I'm not picky. If you show up and say, I haven't listened to all of them, I'm not going to kick you out. Don't worry <laughs> about it. But I do hope that everyone has also taken the time to go over to patreon.com avatar the podcast. We now have three secret podcast episodes up. We now have Three doodle pages up, three AMAs on there. If you want to listen or view any of that content, you can go to that Patreon. And uh, as long as you're at the $5 or more tier, uh, which allows you to participate in the 100 year war, then you can listen to everything. You can see everything, all the bonus content. We have such great bonus content on there that you won't be able to hear anywhere else. So Please, if you find yourself with an extra coin or two, consider going over there and doing it. If not, you can still train your messenger hawks and just have (laughs) Avatar the Podcast flyers and just fly them around town. You can tell your friends. You can leave a five-star written review because if it's not written, we can't read it. And uh, you can always tweet at us as well or email us. You know where to email us. We've been saying it for 56, 56, 56 episodes.
0: Oh, my goodness. Possibly
1: more. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We're all over. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And you can find me online at Acorn Bandit or On Studio. That's J-O-I-S-A-N-S dot com or Joyson Studio on Etsy, where you can find nerdy enamel pins, including two pins from Avatar, one featuring our beloved Sky Bison, who was not taken on the adventure happening in the next episode, Mm -mm. because there is no bison daycare at Mm, Boiling Rock. What a shame. (laughs) What a shame. And also a pin of our favorite Earthbender, Toph. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We can't wait to continue the adventure in next week's episode. And speaking of next week's episode, coming up next time...
1: Between a rock and a boiling place.
0: And Sokka and Zuko's bogus journey. All this and more next time on Avatar Avatar, The the podcast. Podcast.
1: Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our other podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com.